Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. Hey party people and happy Tuesday to ya. Hope you're having a good one. Today on Cooking with Alpal, we are doing all side dishes. That's right, you heard me. I tend to put a lot of thought and effort into the main dish that I sometimes forget about side dishes, or if I don't forget about them, I kind of get lazy because I've already done so much with the main course. So I'm gonna provide some side dish recipes today that are really good and really not that hard, not that complicated because I, you know, I've got already got, all, like I said, all, I've got all my energy on the main dish. I don't know what to do with the side dish. So I found some ones that I really like and that Clayton really likes, which is meaning that it's good because if he comments on it, then you know we have a winner. I'm also gonna, of course, do my desserts because uh, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Wanted to mention too, don't forget that um, the best way to find out all the goodies about the podcast is over at Be Nourish Podcast on Instagram. Um, that's where I talk about what the upcoming episodes, what we're gonna talk about, that's where I share any and all news. We have many series coming up in November, potentially in December as well. But I'm also going to do a giveaway again soon. So the the Instagram page is really the best place. Um, sometimes podcasting can feel a little bit like a void. I know you guys are listening, but I would love the interaction. And the best places to do that is on Instagram. Also, I wanted to mention that if you feel like it, um, rate and subscribe. You don't have to do this, of course, and I know it can be very annoying when people talk about this, but the reason people hound this so much is because it helps get the word out. And y'all, I interview some bomb people, and I want everybody to hear their stories. So if you feel like it, if not, just tell your girlfriend down the street. Who cares? It's all good. Um, Okay, so up first, we have the best jasmine rice i have ever had y'all okay the first one we have is um yellow jasmine rice by budgetbytest.com this rice is so so good it has the perfect combination of sweet but also a hint of like spice because it has turmeric cumin but also cinnamon and you're gonna use some chicken broth butter and garlic of course Um, and you can also use a bay leaf i don't always do the bay leaf situation because i often end up buying a bay leaf package using one and then it just sits in my fridge so i don't really think the bay leaf changes the flavor all that much you could totally leave it out so the good and awesome thing about this recipe is that you are going to put the butter garlic turmeric cumin and cinnamon in a saucepan and saute it with the rice before the rice is even cooked you're going to pour the rice in there swirling around and all those goodies and let it toast up a little um the recipe here says you might hear it pop a little bit or crackle as it's cooking Oh my gosh, it's so good. This is what I think really enhances the flavor because you're toasting it over the heat with all of those um, spices and then you're adding the chicken broth and you're going to let it cook. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I can't even deal with it. I made this recently, so I I had forgotten how good it was and then I just (laughs) remembered. It's so good. So once you toast it with all the spices, you're going to add the chicken broth and cook it like you would regular rice. Um, I will say the last time I cooked it, like last week, We cooked it out, so when you cook regular rice, you cook it until all the liquid is gone. But this rice was not tender when all the liquid was gone. So you may have to play with that a little. You may need to add a little bit more liquid once your liquid has cooked off. Just test it, taste it, and see if the rice is crunchy. Even though you're toasting it, your rice still should not be crunchy. Your rice should always be tender. So 
that's another point. Like when you're toasting it with the spices, make sure you don't toast it so much that your rice gets real, real crunchy. This is a good one. I'm telling you, it's so good. And it makes a ton. We always cut the recipe in half. But when you go to the website, either like on the website or on Pinterest, it allows you to change the servings so you don't have to like do all the math in your head. Ugh, I'm not here for math. I just want to cook. So anyway, this one is really, really good. Okay, so Chex Mix, homemade Chex Mix to me screams the holidays. We always had this growing up. My mom would always make homemade Chex Mix when we would come home um, from school or just during the holiday season. I love it. It is, to me, the perfect snack um, or for a football game or if you're having a crowd over just for lunch or an easy dinner. It's so good. Um, you can Google this or Pinterest this. There's about a million recipes in the world. You can even just go to the cereal aisle and pull out the Chex box. There's typically a recipe on the side of those boxes. I'm just pulling from memory today. I don't have a specific recipe, and I'll just tell you how I've tweaked it as I've made it for myself. Growing up, um, I could handle a lot more that I cannot handle any longer, like a ton of butter. So I think typical recipes call for like six tablespoons of butter. I've cut that down to four. Um, I have found that the butter is really what makes my stomach hurt if I'm not careful, and so I've tweaked it to do that. You can always add less or more butter. Obviously, if you add less, your cereal is going to be a little bit more dry. Um, you can always add a little bit more Worcestershire sauce if you want, but in my experience, four tablespoons is pretty good. So, um, typical recipes call for about two cups of rice, wheat, and corn checks in the cereal aisle. I really like the wheat checks more, more so than the others, and so I might do a little bit more of that and a little bit less of maybe the corn checks. Um, but you can do whatever you want. You could leave one out altogether, just up the other two if you wanted to do that. Usually, recipes will call for like pretzels and peanuts. Um, I really like Honey Nut Cheerios because I like the combination of the sweet and the savory. Um, and then I do pretzels sometimes. I'm not a big pretzel person. I'm not a big peanut person. So I kind of just like the Honey Nut Cheerios. But again, do whatever you want to do. You could even make a couple of batches. And if you were going to have people over, you could do a few batches um, and have all different stuff. I have even seen a dessert version of this um, with chocolate chips and like little marshmallows and things like that. So that would be really good too. Um, the liquid part of this recipe is six or four tablespoons of butter, depending on what you want to do. About a quarter cup of Worcestershire sauce. Again, you can kind of play with that a little. Some recipes call for seasoning salt, garlic, and onion powder. I always do these three. To me, this is like the holy trinity of spices, really for most of what I cook with. Um, some recipes say just use seasoning salt. I, I just can't with that. I have to have all three. So to me, it makes a difference, a big difference. Again, play with the amounts. I think it's typically like maybe a tablespoon of seasoning salt and maybe like a teaspoon each of garlic and onion. Do whatever you want. Um, if you like garlic more than the others, add a little that. A little goes a long way with this. Um, so you want to be careful about that for sure. Now, if you're going to do it in the crock pot, there are some recipes that call to do it in the crock pot. Do not leave it because I followed a recipe one time for a crock pot um, homemade Chex Mix and it burned. And if a little bit burns, pretty much all of it tastes like burnt Chex cereal. So that ain't good. Um, stir this a lot. If there's anything I could tell you about this, stir it often. It is better to stir it more than not stir it enough because even if you think you're stirring incessantly, it, chances are some of it is still going to stick and burn. I mean, I stir it like every 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how hot my oven is. 
Um, if you're gonna do it in the oven, I usually do 375 for about 45 minutes, excuse me, to an hour. It just depends. Um, but like I said, stir, 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 no matter how you do it, if it's in the crock pot or in the oven. I prefer the oven because I feel like I have more of a handle on like the cooking temperature. I don't know if my crock pot is just like real efficient, but I had it on low and it still burned. So anyway, just watch it really carefully. Make sure you stir it a lot, but it is so, so good. And it's really not that hard. You just need to throw everything together, stir up all your liquid stuff, pour it over, stir that up, and then you just cook it. Like it's so easy, but to me it is so much better than the store-bought stuff and you can tweak it how you want it. And like, it's the perfect, to me, the perfect football accessory. And there's a lot of football going on in our house right now. So I'm making a lot of checks mix. So the last side dish recipe in this episode is gonna be sweet potato mash. And this one is maple butter flavored. Oh, can you? I can't either. This one is actually a paleo recipe too. And so it tastes as if it's not paleo, but it is paleo, which is exactly how I want all of my paleo dishes to be. Do you know what I mean? Um, this one is called, do you even, this is from do you even paleo.net. Um, and you will need the following three pounds, sweet potatoes. You need you some ghee or butter. If you don't have ghee or if you don't like ghee, I wouldn't sub any other like coconut oil or anything because it, it matters to have that buttery flavor. You're going to need some coconut milk, pure maple syrup, cinnamon, and salt. And that is it. And honestly, I'm telling you, as mentioned at the beginning, I need a side dish that I essentially don't need to do anything with. I want it to cook itself, okay? So all you're having to do for this is cook your sweet potatoes, which you can do the night before, the morning of, whatever. Sweet potatoes take a long time to cook. So you're going to need to cook them for about an hour in about a 400-degree oven. And make sure they're done. Squish the middle. Sweet potatoes need to be done. It takes a long time, y'all. So just stick it out. That's why I say do it the night before. You ain't got time for this when you're about to make a meal, okay? Make sure they're cooked really good. This recipe says you can run it under cold water once they come out and cool to get the skin off. I've never had to do that. Biggest thing is do let it cool or else you're going to burn all your skin off on your fingers. And we don't need that. So peel off the skin. Throw those suckers in a big pot on the stovetop, and you're going to mush it up. Put it on really low heat. Sweet potatoes are already cooked. That's not our issue here. Then you're going to throw in all the goodies. So the coconut milk, the uh, maple syrup, the cinnamon, the ghee. And you're going to let all of that combine and melt and get, just get real good. You can use your hand mixer if you want. You can just use your brute strength if you'd like that as well. This recipe, I'm telling you, you can add like your little cutesy marshmallows to it like we do at Grandma's Thanksgiving dinner. You could add pecans. You could add a little drizzle of, uh, what's that, maple syrup. You can add anything you want to this, but it is so good on its own. And as long as you get your sweet potatoes really mashed, you know, because if you're not careful, you could end up with lumps just like you could in mashed potatoes. So make sure you get it all really mashed well together. Oh my word, but the maple syrup really makes this dish so good. And like I said, the best thing is it's paleo, but you don't know it's paleo. And again, that is how I need all of my healthy dishes to taste. So this one is so good. Great holiday staple or just any old time you want to remember the holidays. It's, it's so good. Okay, so for the dessert recipes, admittedly I chose two recipes this week that are a little bit fussier. Um, they just require a little more attention, time, 
you know, it's more than just pouring things in a bowl, mixing it together and popping it in the oven, but it's totally worth it. But definitely you've been warned. These require a little bit more time. Um, the first one is the paleo pumpkin chocolate truffles. Let me just tell you, these suckers are delicious. And I did include, um, if you'll go back on my Instagram under the, on the homepage under the food, there's that little circle that Instagram has done now where you can put like save your stories. There's one called food and in it, I, I put a few little clippets of me making the paleo pumpkin truffles. They're so good. They, mine don't ever turn out as cute as, um, paleo running mamas do, but you know, I'll just keep working on it. I think it's something to do with the temperature of them. But anyway, the other recipe is Graham's peanut butter pie. Graham is my husband's grandmother who I just consider my own grandmother. She is literally the sweetest person I've ever known. The very first day I met her, she called me her granddaughter, which, you know, we weren't there yet, but I'll take it because I I have a soft spot in my heart for grandparents. So I love it. Um, her peanut butter pie is delicious, but complicated. I mean, like the recipe includes a double broiler, for example, and that's a situation, um, because who has that? So I'm going to break it down and make it and just tell you what I do and make it a little easier. Um, but I have a story about Graham's peanut butter pie. The very first time my now husband, Clayton, when I was living in Nashville, he came to visit. And my <laughs> my roommate, Amy, affectionately referred to Graham's peanut butter pie as hell pie. Because I got the recipe from Graham. I knew this was Clayton's favorite pie. I really wanted to make it for him while he was coming to visit me. And worked really hard to do it, but did not know how complicated it was going to be. And at the time, I lived in an apartment with two other girls, and we had a teeny tiny kitchen. And boy, I was not prepared. It turned out great, and it was fine, and it was good, and whatever. But it was really more than I knew what I was getting into. Um, So, but you know what? It's going to be fine because now that I've made it a few times, I can I can assist you in making it a little bit easier. So, up first, paleo pumpkin truffles. Okay, paleo pumpkin chocolate chip cookie dough truffles is technically the name of these. I just call them paleo chocolate chip truffles or whatever. Paleo Running Mama is awesome. She We discovered her when we were doing Whole30. She has tons and tons of really great recipes. I normally use her stuff for the dessert recipes because we love dessert around here and anything I can do to cut corners, I'm going to try to do. But um, the ingredients in here may not be something you normally have. I will say typically if I don't have an ingredient, I would encourage you to just use what you have and normally that's fine. But if you're going to do these paleo recipes, there really aren't very good substitutions for them. So if you don't have these ingredients, I would suggest just go ahead and get them. There are plenty other recipes that would use the same things you're going to buy, like coconut flour and dates specifically. So just go for it. Um, coconut flour can be a little bit expensive, but it's worth it because you're going if you if you choose to continue to make these kinds of recipes, you'll use it a lot. So for these, you're going to need a cup of dates, pumpkin puree, a nut butter, so cashew or almond. I always use almond. You can use peanut butter, but it's definitely no longer paleo at that point, and it um, does change you know, the flavor just a little, but whatever. Uh, vanilla extract, cinnamon, coconut flour, and then you're going to need mini chocolate chips and dark and like regular size dark chocolate chips. Um, if you don't want to put chocolate chips in these, certainly you can leave them out, but I do think it makes it, it, it just makes it to me. So 
the best part about this whole thing is that you basically are going to put all the ingredients in a food processor and it's going to do the work for you. It's kind of like how I feel about crock pots, you know? So you need some softened dates. If I just buy the little sun-kissed package of dates, I usually find them wherever you find like your mixed nuts, whatever aisle that is. That's where I find my dates. I just pop the suckers in a um, hot pot of water. It doesn't have to be boiling. It just needs to be hot. That softens them up enough. They just need to be tender to be able to be processed well. If you have a good food processor, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. But dates are really sticky, and so you'll need to soften them so that they don't just like stick to the blades and don't break up. Because believe me, I have used not great food processors, and it doesn't. it's not cute, okay? So you're going to um, process your dates first, and then you're going to add in your pumpkin and your cashew butter. Mix that all together in your food processor. You, as you go, be sure to scrape down the sides because things are going to kind of creep up the sides and it won't mix well. So just as a note, um, add your vanilla, get all that sucker in, cinnamon, coconut flour, all the good stuff, and then you're just going to make it into a dough. Now, Sometimes when I'm doing this, my dough ends up being a little bit runnier. It's not runny. That's not a good description. It's like a little loose. I think you'll know what I'm saying. Almost like baby food consistency. Sorry to use that example. If you find that your dough is a little bit too loose, add a little bit more coconut flour. You need it to be malleable and soft, but not like not like baby food. I mean, that's really my best example. So anywho, um, you're going to do all that, and then you need to chill the dough in the freezer. This is a must. Again, sometimes when these things say this, I'm like, meh, whatever. But you really do need to freeze it because you're trying to, you have to roll up the dough and um, melt it and put it in melted chocolate. And if your dough is not cold, it's just going to fall apart and it's not, it's not good. Okay. Um, so you're going to chill your dough in the freezer, and then in the meantime, melt your chocolate. You can do this in a microwavable safe bowl, you could do it over the stovetop. Dump the water you use for the dates and then throw it in there, whatever. Um, you can add a little coconut oil to your chocolate to help it be a little bit more creamy and meltable. I don't know if that's a word. But if you don't have it, who cares, whatever. Um, so melt up your chocolate while your dough is freezing. So you're going to line a cookie dough sheet with parchment paper, aluminum foil, whatever you have. And then you're going to take your dough out of the freezer once it's been frozen in there for a while. And you're going to roll up your dough and then put it in the dipped melted chocolate. Okay, and then you're going to throw it on your pan. This is where a lot of times my dough ends up looking kind of weird because if you look at Paleo Running Mama's um, pictures, they're like perfect little circles. Mine don't turn out that way, y'all. They just don't. Um, but anywho, I use a cookie scoop to scoop up the dough and then pop it in the melted chocolate and then put it on the sheet. You're going to need to put it back in the freezer afterwards um, to let it set. But that is why it's important that your dough is not super loose but it needs to be like soft, if that makes sense. These things are really, really good. She has other truffles on her website that are not pumpkin. If you're, if you're not a big pumpkin fan, which I really am not a big pumpkin fan, but these to me are not super overwhelmingly pumpkin um, because of the mixture of the nut butter. But anywho, if you don't want the pumpkin, she's got plenty of other truffles on her website. These suckers are just so good. And my husband likes them. Which, again, we all know, if your husband says thinks something is really good, then you can take that right to the bank. Alright, y'all. Go get your orthopedics. Stretch. Have some Tylenol close by. Because for this next recipe, Graham's Peanut Butter Pie, you're going to need to just... It's a marathon, not a sprint, okay? So if you make this, I suggest having all your ingredients out ahead of time. Even pre-measured if you can do so. 
Um, this pie is totally worth it. It's absolutely delicious, but it is very involved and you need to have time to be able to complete this without interruption. I did this while my husband and my dogs were on an errand. So it's really um, an awesome pie, but it's not something you can do just willy-nilly. Okay, so you're going to need two separate ingredient sections, one for the pie and one for the merengue. Yes, I said it, the merengue. Actually, I think it's meringue. I don't know. When I see meringue spelled that way, it makes me want to say meringue, which I think is a, is a dance, actually. But why not? We'll say meringue. We'll make it a little feisty over here. So, anywho, um, let's see here. You're going to need peanut butter, of course. You're going to need confectioner sugar, a.k.a. powdered sugar. You will need one baked 9-inch pie shell. So, I'll explain the pie shell situation in just a hot second. You're going to need some flour, sugar, salt, two cups of milk, and it needs to be scalded, which I will also explain three egg yolks, butter, and vanilla. And then for the meringue, you're going to need egg whites, cream of tartare, sugar, and cornstarch. Okay, here's the situation. For the pie shell, buy just a pre-made pie shell. It's in. It's where our cinnamon rolls are, where the butter is and all that in our uh, Walmart. So you're going to need to set your oven to 450. All of this is on the pie shell box, so don't fret. Poke some holes in the bottom so that your pie shell does not blow up. And then you're going to bake it. Uh, this is your opportunity to make your pie shell roll cute. I let mine, you need to let it come to room temperature-ish. And then I rolled it out a little bit, put it in my pie pan, and made the edges um, cutesy. But I will say that once I baked it and it came out, it shrunk. So I clearly did not um, spread it out as much as I needed to. It was fine, you know, all's well. But it definitely shrunk. So if you do want crust all the way up to the top... Make sure you let your pie crust come to complete room temperature and then roll it out some before baking. Okay, so you're going to need to blend your peanut butter and your confectioner sugar until it's mealy. Now, the ingredients say <clears throat> to sift your confectioner sugar. Here's what I'm going to say, y'all. I didn't do this because I don't have a sifter. I feel that maybe I should have because when I combined my peanut butter and powdered sugar, it didn't exactly become mealy. It was more like soft um and so i think that sifting it might really need to happen i don't know it it was fine for me it's it doesn't really matter to me because it's supposed to be a crumbly texture and mine was definitely not crumbly so word to the wise on that you're going to sprinkle two-thirds of that mixture onto the baked pie shell at the bottom and then this is where you really need to have all your ingredients ready to go because it, it gets real dicey there for a minute you're going to combine your flour, half a cup of sugar, and your salt in the top of a double broiler. Now, I don't have a double broiler, and I'm guessing you don't either. All you need to do is take a small pot, get some water in there, put the water on boil, make sure it's boiling, and then put another pot on top, and that is where you're going to do all your mixing and all your stirring and adding of ingredients. So the top pot is where you're going to put the flour, sugar, and salt. If you, don't, if you still don't know what I'm talking about, on my Instagram... Like I mentioned, there's those circles on the homepage that Instagram has added. I show you my double broiler. So go to my Instagram, Be Nourished Podcast, go to the little food circle on my homepage and find all the way at the end the couple of little stories about this pie and you'll see my double broiler, okay? Once you've stirred in flour, sugar, salt, you're going to stir in your scalded milk. 
I just put my milk in the microwave um, for like two minutes. Scalded but not like boiling and not burned is a very fine line. <clears throat> I did about two minutes and then I ended up doing a little bit more. Just basically you need your milk to be super, super hot, okay? So you're gonna stir in your milk and you're gonna cook it over your boiling water and you need to stir this constantly. If you don't, it will burn on the bottom of the pot and nobody wants that and it'll be so sad to have to start over. So this is why I encourage you to have all your ingredients ready. So you're gonna stir it constantly, constantly, constantly. It will thicken up pretty quick. Um, and so it almost looks like condensed milk, which honestly, sometimes I wonder if that's all it is, but you know what, whatever. So it'll look like condensed milk. Okay, so then you're gonna take a small amount of that and you're gonna put it into your egg yolks that you've already got ready, slightly beaten. You're gonna put some of that in there. You do not wanna make fried eggs, okay? So put a little of your milk mixture into the egg yolks, stir it around a little so it'll come up to temperature, and then pour your egg yolks and your little bit of milk mixture into the double broiler milk mixture, okay? Making sense? Stir, combine, cook, several more minutes. Several more minutes, stirring constantly. Then you're gonna add your butter and your vanilla, okay? Stir it all, make sure your butter's melted. At this point, you're gonna pour it into your pie shell, the pie shell that has already been baked and already has your peanut butter mixture on the bottom, okay? Pour it in there on top of all that goodie, okay? Let it sit, it chill, it is done. That part is over. The hardest part really is over. So to make your meringue or merengue, whatever you wanna call it, you're gonna beat the egg whites that you saved when you got your egg yolks, okay? Beat your egg whites until they become stiff. You are going to want to use an electric hand mixer, okay? For a hot minute, I thought I could use my arm strength. No, mm -mm. we're not here for that. Use a hand mixer because this can take a little bit. I will say, too, while you're separating your egg yolks and your egg whites, if you get even a little bit of your yolk in your whites, it's probably not going to work as well. I actually had to dump my first set of egg whites because I got a little bit of yolk in there, okay? So make sure you've got just the whites. You're gonna mix, 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 mix with your hand mixer until it gets stiff. You will know. And then you're gonna add in your cream of tartar, okay? Then you're gonna gradually add, you're gonna combine your sugar with your cornstarch together and you're gonna gradually add that into your um, egg whites. This makes your meringue super shiny and pretty and thick. And it's really fun to watch it like come to life, basically. So beat that really, really well. You don't want to over beat it necessarily, but you do want to beat it a lot because it is going on top of your pie. And if it is runny, it is not going to be good, okay? So if anything, err on the side of overdoing it because you would rather have the thick meringue than to have really runny meringue. Okay, so pour that on top of your pie. If you wanna make a cute design, this is your chance, okay? And then you're gonna stick the pie in the oven. I did 350. Uh, Graham didn't actually say what to put the oven on, but I did 350. And you're just gonna bake that until it gets brown-ish on top, very light brown. Again, very fine line, it goes very fast. Make sure you're watching it because you, you've worked so hard for this pie, you don't want it to burn on top. <clears throat> I did about 10 minutes. And then I ended up adding a few minutes after, but just watching it constantly, you just want it to be a light brown. I dusted a couple little things of cinnamon on top. Um, because my peanut butter did not turn out the way that it should, <laughs> my original peanut butter and confectioner sugar mixture didn't come out crumbly. You really are supposed to crumble some of that on top of the meringue, but mine didn't come out crumbly, so I just added it into the pie. 
and then put a little dash of cinnamon on top. It's cute and it still looks very pretty. Again, you can see that on my little food circle on my Instagram. So you are done with this pie. It is a lot of work, but it tastes so good and it is a big hit with my husband. It's his favorite pie ever. I only make this pie like once a year for a good reason, but it's worth it. It's totally worth it. So thank you, Graham. Every time I make this pie, I think of you and all of our happy memories. So it is for you. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy these. These, All of these recipes are things that we have made over and over and over and over. So they are foolproof. We love them, and we've served them to other people, and they love them. So as always, if you guys end up making anything, please share it with me. Let me know how it goes. If you have any tips or tricks for them as well, always let me know that. Everything will be tagged in the show notes, where I found these recipes, all that good stuff. So I hope you're enjoying the fall weather wherever you are and all things fall. This is my favorite, favorite, favorite season. So do something nourishing for yourself this week and we will see you next week.